hi guys welcome back to my channel so happy to have you here with me again if you are new welcome so today when i am recording this i record about a week in advance so i am recording this on sunday may 8th which is mother's day and that's what makes today's video even more exciting to do i get to include interview clips today from chance Engelbert's mother. Today I'm going to be talking with you all about the unsolved disappearance of a 25-year-old father named Chance Engelbert. And other important people in his life are also going to be helping me to explain this case fully. I know I always say this, but please be extra cautious about the things that you say in the comment section about Chance or about his family. Please just keep it kind, you know? Keep in mind that they are likely going to be reading through these comments and we want to be helpful with our comments. I just want to give that reminder as always that the people that are living through these true crime cases are real people and this is very emotional for them. Coming on this channel or any type of interview is very difficult and can be draining and emotional and the more support we can give them, the better. So let's go ahead and jump right in here. So this is Chance Leslie Engelbert. He was born on December 2nd, 1993 to his parents, Don and Everett. He has two younger brothers, Miles and Clay, and the three of them were raised out on a ranch just outside of Edgemont, South Dakota. Chance was my big brother and best friend. He was my mentor and just about everything we would do. We pretty much did everything the same. We'd always hunt and fish and building cars or driving in derbies. And Chance loved living out in the country. From a young age, he really seemed to do well there. And he was always interested in becoming a bareback rodeo rider. As a fifth grader, he was actually too young to start as a barebacked horse rider. So he started riding bulls instead. He did this for about three years. And in eighth grade, he was finally old enough to move up to rodeo bareback riding. Watching that bull go last night, he's just a sweetheart. I was really wanting to draw him. And then today he kind of came out there and he's a little trickier to ride. He kind of went out there across there. They want to sit me back. and But I just cowboyed it out. And, Made the whistle, so. Feel pretty good to get that buckle out, right? Yep. Yeah, right. yep. And first you, one from college, so. Let's talk about that. What's that like to you know, finally have one in your hands? Oh, it feels amazing. I just, I've been struggling so much in the bareback riding. I just started riding bulls again this year. And just to overcome what I've accomplished this year is just amazing. And I'm just proud of myself, proud of my team for helping me and everything. And Chance's love for the rodeo was fully supported by his parents. His mother, Dawn, was always there to support Chance with everything that he did related to rodeo. When people ask me to explain Chance, that's when it gets hard. It's hard to explain something that's bigger than light. And he lit up a room since he was a little, little boy. As a baby, he was just beautiful and so good. And he was so smart. And he knew he wanted to be a cowboy. He was a great kid, a great brother. He would do anything for anybody. He believed in paying it forward. I was so blessed, so blessed to get to spend so much time with all three of the boys. Chance was shy, could be a little awkward at times, but just a great all-around kid. I just wish he would have known how good he was, how talented he was. He kind of lacked in the confidence on that. Um, 
but he was a very talented, hardworking young man. And not only did he love rodeo, he was also really good at it. He was very successful in the years that he spent riding, and he actually got a full-time scholarship to Laramie County Community College. Chance was incredibly athletic and also a very fearless type of guy. He's pretty wild, but that's kind of the way I grew up, is being a little wild and bareback horse, and that's why I love doing it, and so it's a lot of fun. All right, and the, the year so far is going pretty good, huh? Yeah, so far, oh, I don't know. It can always be a little better. I'm kind of traveling the middle of the pack, I guess, but this will help me out for the standings, and I think I'm sitting fourth now, so doing good. But if there was anything that he loved more than rodeo, it was his family. He loved his family and would do anything for them. And in one of his interviews, he was asked, what do you like to do when you're not competing? And he said, I love to be on the family ranch, helping my parents with everything from fencing to trucking with my dad. I have to be outdoors and the city drives me crazy. So anything outdoors, I love. So eventually he went off to college at Laramie County Community and he studied welding and diesel mechanics to pursue work similar to his father. His interest in welding actually led him to take up a new hobby, which was working on demolition derby cars, which I know absolutely nothing about this, but this was really important to Chance, and eventually he left the rodeo world and spent more and more of his time working on these cars with his family and some local friends. And that's how he actually met one of his closest friends, Matt Miller. The two of them worked a job site together where they actually both worked on mining, but they also did a lot outside of work together. They hung out all the time. They would go hunting, fishing, and all the people that were close with Chance say that he was one of the hardest working people that they knew. People said that he was the type of person that wouldn't complain about working. He was always willing to work sun up to sun down. And even when he ran out of work to do, he would find a useful way to use his time. He was a very active person and he was also very positive. He didn't spend a lot of his time complaining according to his friends and family. Chance and I met in 2016 when he hired on at Bel Air Mine he was extremely nervous and had failed his weld test to get hired on, but they brought him on anyhow, which was a good thing. We spent a lot of night shifts getting him trained up on procedures and how to set his welder, all that good stuff, and he did finally pass. And that kind of kicked off our friendship. Throughout the next three years I worked with him, we got along really well. He was the type of friend you could call up at any, any time and he would do his best to help you out. Didn't matter what he had going on, it seemed like. So let's go back to October of 2017. Matt and Chance actually had a plan to drive to Scotts Bluff, Nebraska to pick up two derby cars that they were going to buy and then obviously work on together. But that wasn't the only reason. It was also a good opportunity for Chance to meet this girl that he had been talking to online in Scotts Bluff named Bailey. Bailey has stopped making public comments about Chance online, but... Back when she did, she did an interview with the Vanished podcast, and she kind of explained that she always knew who Chance was even before she actually met him. She was aware of him. I guess one of her ex-boyfriends used to do rodeo with Chance's younger brother, so that's kind of how she knew him. But it wasn't until October of 2017 when they finally really started talking and eventually met up. And at the time, his family actually kind of gave him shit because he was meeting this girl who was a few years younger than him. But he didn't seemed to mind. I mean, he was super excited to meet Bailey and also very nervous. And as soon as the two of them met, they hit it off and they started dating right away. Bailey has mentioned in interviews before that 
Chance was a wonderful man, and he always has been. She described him as having a bigger heart than anyone she'd ever met. Bailey was first introduced to the Engelbert family in mid-November of 2017, and the two of them seemed really happy at this point. And pretty quick, just after a year of dating in October of 2018, the two of them decided to get married. And they had a very small wedding, very, you know, tight-knit group, and it was on the anniversary of them dating. Now, when I talked to Dawn about the wedding, she said that she was made to feel like she was not supposed to be there. Of course, keep in mind, that's the way that she perceived it, but she did not feel welcome. But she decided she wanted to go to support her oldest son. And she said that this caused some tension. And according to an interview given by Matt, Chance's friend, there was a small argument that broke out over some of Chance's family members attending. I was under the impression that Bailey didn't want Chance's family at the wedding, and there was a big backlash to that during okay. that night after everybody got to drinking and whatnot. Okay, so Chance had had his family at the wedding, and you were told that she maybe was not happy about that, and there yeah. was some type of fight that occurred around that. Okay, so it sounds like there might have been some tension with the families kind of early on. Yes. And according to Chance's mother, Dawn, the two of them, her and Bailey, had a fine relationship when they first met. It was a positive experience. So she was confused about where this kind of coldness that she was feeling was coming from. She said, in her opinion, things felt like they started to change as soon as Chance and Bailey got married. Now, Dawn is a very hands-on mother. She's always been close with her sons, especially Chance, and him being married was not going to change the way that she had always cared for him. And I guess things got even more tense after Bailey and Chance announced that they were pregnant with their first son. The pregnancy itself really wasn't a shock to their family. I mean, they knew that Chance wanted to be a father as soon as he could, and they were very happy for him. And they actually at first felt like having the baby could be an opportunity for them to kind of smooth things over with Bailey and her family. Maybe they could all come together for the child. So they were all feeling really good about it. And Chance was so ready to be a father. He was so eager for his son to arrive. He couldn't wait to do everything with him from, you know, simple things like being on the ranch, eventually bonding over rodeo maybe, or cars. He was just very excited to see what the future with his son would be like. And that day finally came for him on April 4th, 2019, when their son Banks was born. So it was my birthday and they had snuck out and went and got me a present and a card. And they were both sitting there with their little smiles and you could tell they were a little nervous and something was up. And they opened the card and it said, don't be mad, you knew you always wanted to be a grandma. And I, of course, was ecstatic and started laughing and everyone's like, well, we knew it was coming sooner or later. And Chance said, well, that was a pretty good gift for your birthday, wasn't it? And he was a very hands-on. He went to probably most of her doctor's appointments with her. In that three months, he was probably the best dad I've ever seen, and we were so proud of him. It's really unfair that he didn't get to spend the time he should have been watching Banks grow up and be the daddy he could have been. I was at first shocked when I heard Chance was going to be a father, and you know, I just didn't think we were, it was about that time to start having kids or even thinking about having kids, but I was overall excited and happy for him and I could tell that he was excited and happy and was ready to take it on. Around this time Chance worked full-time 
to provide for their family, and Bailey actually was in full-time nursing school. Chance worked for a local coal mining company for years and eventually saved up enough money to buy them a house in Moorcraft, Wyoming. Now, Moorcraft is a small town. They have a population of less than a 1,000. Chance was really excited about this house. He was very proud of it, and he felt like this was the perfect place for him, Banks, and Bailey. Some of Chance's closest friends have said in interviews that Bailey and Chance's marriage came with a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Like they loved each other strongly, but then those lows were really hard for them. Bailey, back in the Vanished podcast interview, said that their marriage was great, that they rarely fought. And she said if they did fight, it could normally be resolved pretty quickly. But this, of course, does contradict what other people have said about their relationship. So, who really knows? So before they even moved into their house in Moorcraft, they actually lived with Chance's friend DJ for a little while. And DJ has said that Bailey and him would get in a lot of fights and that she often would accuse him of things he didn't do. And also sometimes she would blow things out of proportion. But again, you know, who really knows? It's hard to judge someone else's relationship, right? But their relationship was rough enough that Don actually offered to put them through relationship counseling. She even told Bailey once that if she was so upset with Chance, maybe she should just leave him. She says that there were times where Bailey would just call her up and just be screaming about how frustrated she was with Chance or complaining about something he did. And, you know, she really pushed them to go to counseling but they didn't. Now, of course, all I have to go off of are Bailey's previous interviews. Like I said, she has stopped doing interviews at this point, and I find it really difficult to get a full picture of someone's relationship without being able to interview them as well or have more interviews out there. So, you know, just keep that in mind. But Don told me that she was very concerned about their relationship and how often they were fighting, how bad things had become. So she especially in July of 2019, really pushed them to try to sort things out. But Chance really seemed to be kind of tired of her help. He'd also been going through a really tough time that summer because he and 600 others had been recently laid off. And his friend Matt was also one of those people who lost their job. So Chance and Matt were both looking for new jobs around this time. And Banks was very young at that point. So he knew he had to find something quick. He was a new dad and he knew that he needed to find something, even if it meant not making as much money as he you know, was before. He just had to get something. So both Chance and Matt ended up finding new jobs in the propane industry. Their start date was Monday, July 8th, 2019, and both of them were very eager to start this new opportunity. The job wasn't starting until after 4th of July, which meant he and Matt had 4th of July free, and they were very excited about that. And their original plan was to go hunting and fishing at Chance's family ranch. However, Chance ended up getting in a fight with his mom that week. It was at this point that he told her that she needed to lay off. She needed to stop meddling in his relationship. He felt like he just couldn't handle her constant feedback. And so when they had this argument, he actually told Don he wanted a week off from even speaking to her. This was especially hard for her because she loves her son and the two of them spoke normally every day but she said she respected his boundaries no matter how difficult it was everybody wants to know what the fight was about with chance and i um, we had two young girls in our lives and things were had been said that i was talking about one behind the other one's back and i was always so careful on that i didn't i, I didn't do things like that 
anything I said about Bailey that weekend, I would have said to Bailey herself and most likely already had. Bailey always accused Chance of cheating on her. There was always a talk of that. Not sure when he would have had time to cheat on her, honestly, especially after they found out they were expecting because he worked overtime all the time. Anytime that kid could get overtime, he was working. He never came to the ranch by himself. He never did anything without Bailey. So I don't really know when there was a whole lot of time. And he told me that night, I have never cheated on my wife. So I believe from October on, he was very faithful to her. I don't know what happened between them meeting and marrying. I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. I don't know what he would, would have done or had done. So that all just escalated. And one of the last things Chance had said to me is give me the week to work on my marriage and stay out of it. And I said, anything you need, I'm, I'm here for you. The hardest, longest week of my life. And it wasn't anything that other families haven't gone through. We honestly didn't fight much. Our family just didn't. We'd go to bed and wake up and laugh at things. We just didn't fight. So this was very hard on our whole family. So obviously because they weren't speaking and Chance wanted a break, Bailey and him decided not to go to their ranch that weekend. The Engelbert family ranch is in South Dakota. And instead, just he and Bailey, so not Matt, were going to take Banks to Gearing, Nebraska to visit Bailey's family. I guess Matt was able to make other plans. There were no hard feelings. And they went separate ways for the holiday. So the drive from Moorcraft to Gearing is just about four hours, and the three of them drove out to Bailey's grandparents' house where they were invited to stay for the weekend. So on the morning of Saturday, July 6th, Chance talks to a few members of his family, including his father, and he talks to them about how he's so excited to start his job on that upcoming Monday. And on this call, his dad tells him that he has a package waiting for him at their house in South Dakota. So Chance says that he's going to come by the next day, July 7th, and pick it up. Then later that afternoon, Chance goes golfing with his father-in-law and his brother-in-law. And then later that day, he and Bailey had plans to go meet some friends of hers for dinner. Bailey said that she spoke to Chance on the phone that day while he was out. And she said he was in a great mood. And she said because he was in such a good mood and because it was a nice day, she decided to bring her son Banks out to the golf course to see his father and to see her dad and her brother. But by the time that she arrived, Chance's mood had changed drastically. She stated that the first thing that he said to her when she got there was, get the fuck back in the car, we're leaving. Now, it seems his anger was related to a comment made by either Bailey's father or Bailey's brother about him making less money at his new job. The exact wording isn't known, but that is according to Bailey from previous interviews. She also said that this was something that Chance took the wrong way. Personally, I can see how he took it the wrong way. That would be very hurtful. So I guess when they all got back in the car, he told Bailey that he wanted to go back home right away. He didn't want to stay at her grandparents anymore. But Bailey tried to convince him to stay. She drove him back to her grandparents' house, but she said that he had consumed alcohol while he was out at the golf course, and it made it difficult to reason with him. And she said when she pulled in the driveway of her grandparents' house, he said he wanted to go home home, not back to 
her grandparents' house. He wanted to go back to Wyoming. He didn't want to spend any more time with her family. So she said she was going to go into the house and pack up their bags. So they pull up to her grandparents' house in the driveway around 7 p.m. And she says that instead of going inside to pack, Chance starts to walk off. And she says she grabs Banks out of the car seat, runs inside, gives him to her grandmother. And then as soon as she comes back out, Chance is already gone. She said at first she wasn't too concerned. She said it was very typical of him to take a walk and kind of, you know, blow off steam, think about things. But, and again, this is all according to Bailey from the Vanished podcast. She said she then hops in her car and starts looking for him. She wanted to know where he was. So she says she drives around looking for him. She made several attempts to call him and he didn't answer. So eventually there was a big storm coming in and she decides to go back home. Now, this is key. It has been reported that Bailey said that she spoke to Chance on the phone around 7.45 p.m., but that he hung up on her and she was unable to reach him after that point. And in this call, Chance supposedly told her that he was walking south towards Kimball. And she also said that based on their past fights, she figured he would just come home eventually. And she also noted that they did not fight in the car. She said his anger was purely directed at whatever family member made this comment to him. And again, it's not clear who exactly made the comment. So we do know that Chance did make a phone call at 7.23 p.m. And this was not to Bailey, but to his friend Matt. And when he talked to him, he explained that he was very upset. He explained the comment that Bailey's family member made to him and why it hurt his feelings. And he said he wanted him to come pick him up. He wanted him to come pick him all the way up in gearing and drive him back to Wyoming. So as we know, that's like four hours. And Matt is celebrating 4th of July. He has friends over and he'd also been drinking. So he told Chance that he wasn't able to pick him up, but he would make some calls and see if there was anyone else who could. And in this call, Chance also mentioned that he was walking northwest towards Torrington, which is a town right across from the Nebraska-Wyoming border. Now, the exact reason why Chance was trying to walk this far is unknown, but it's probably because he wanted to get to Wyoming as fast as possible. And it's also the complete opposite direction that he told Bailey he was going. I mean, remember he told her he was headed south and he told Matt that he was headed northwest. So Matt has noted that Chance did not seem drunk when the two of them spoke. And he also said he was very vague when referencing whatever fight he had gotten into. And as soon as the two of them got off the phone, he actually called up Chance's family, hoping that someone over there could go and pick him up. Whether they went from Edgemont to Gearing or Edgemont to Torrington, Matt thought they were likely the closest people to him. So the call from Matt comes into Don around 7.45. Matt explains that Chance was very upset because of a comment that was made about his income and his new job and that he's hoping one of them can come and pick him up. Saturday night, um, about 7.30, Everett and I were just sitting in the house uh, watching TV and I got a call from Matt and he said, hey, Mama Don, we've got some trouble. And he's like, well, Chance just called and he had a fight with the in-laws and he wants out of Nebraska and he needs a ride home to Wyoming. I told him that we probably couldn't get down to get him, but that I would find a ride for him. So what do you think? And I said, well, Matt, 
I'm thinking after our discussion and fight last week that I am the last one he's going to want calling him to hear about a fight with Bailey and her family. So, but um, I will get his Uncle John and his Aunt Katie to call and check in with him, see what we can do. Let's just stay in touch. And he said, sounds great. I started calling John and Katie. Everett called Larry, um, another co-worker and good friend of Chance's that lived right across the street from Bailey. And Larry's like, gosh, no, I haven't heard from him. Let me call Bailey and see what's going on. Larry called Everett back and said, I just told Bailey that she had to call and talk to you guys about this. So a few months later, Bailey called and told Everett that it's um, not that big of a deal. It was just a misunderstanding on something that Kyler said out at the golf course and that not to worry, they were all out looking for him and that they would find him and they would stay in touch. So we called Matt back and said, he won't answer any of us. He, he wouldn't answer his dad. He wouldn't answer his uncle John or his aunt Katie. And uh, Matt said, yeah, he won't answer us either. We keep trying. So this is when Dawn gets nervous and she decides to break their kind of no contact agreement for the week and just let him know that she wouldn't ask any questions, but if he needed a ride or a motel room that he could ask her. So it was sometime between 8 and 8.30 that Chance's parents finally spoke with Bailey. So we talked to Bailey and Matt a couple times through the night. Around nine-ish, she had called and said there was a bad storm and that they had to take a few, some time off looking for him, but they'd go back out after the storm. And so we just kind of sat back and waited and really thought that, that they'd find him. But the next morning when Chance was still gone, panic really started to set in for all of them. What became especially concerning was a text message that came through from Chance's phone to his aunt Katie at 9.08 p.m. I called him first and asked him, you know, hey buddy, I just had a couple questions for you. Would you mind giving me a call? I didn't want him to think that we were all worried about him or checking up on him or that he wasn't handling something correctly. After he didn't answer and I text him, hey, tried calling you, have a question, would you call me back? I didn't get a response until 9.08 and I got an I'm and an emoji face with the straight line mouth and then some gibberish after that. And I responded with, you are what? Are you okay? And I got nothing after that. It's not something normal for him just to walk away. Something that had to have happened for this to all be that way. And it became clear to the Engelbert sometime after 11 a.m. that Chance was considered a missing person. So that morning, Bailey ends up filing a missing persons report with the Gearing Police Department around 11 a.m. That morning, Bailey said she had first tried to call Verizon to see if they could help her place the last phone call that he had made. And of course, they weren't able to help her at that point. That's private information. So she contacts the police. So it actually took some convincing for the police to take this case seriously at first. According Bailey, her and her family had to make several calls to the police before they would actually really consider him a missing person and form a search party. But eventually they did do a massive search. It took a few days to mobilize, but it included 17 law enforcement agencies, drones, divers, cadaver dogs, and volunteers on foot, horseback, and ATVs. Bailey posted on her Facebook page on July 7th that 
Chance had not come home and that he was missing. And this was actually when a lot of his friends found out as well, including his friend DJ. That day, Dawn also called every police station from their hometown leading up to Torrington. And when she got a hold of Torrington PD, they said they'd already been in contact with Bailey's father and were aware of the situation. So Dawn called anyone she could think of who may know Chance and could possibly have heard from him. She also spoke with Bailey on the phone for a few times and they offered her to come down and stay at their place in gearing so that they could be close to the situation. However, she turned them down because she felt like she should be back at home just in case Chance showed up there. And then she had Matt stay up in Moorcroft in case Chance showed up there. So when Chance didn't show up, to Matt's house by afternoon, he decided he was going to drive up to Gearing and look for him. But of course, he had that new job starting the next day, so he could only spend, you know, a few days looking for him. We wanted to go down right away, but we didn't because Don had asked me to stay and go to work at Blakeman's the first day we were supposed to be back to see if Chance showed up there. That was just the kind of guy he was. He wouldn't miss a day of work unless something was terribly wrong. So I went to work at Blakeman's till noon, and then I left, gathered up everybody we could, and we drove down there to start looking for him. Um, when we were down there, it was kind of hectic. Law enforcement was looking for him. We kind of just went to where they said his last phone location was and started out from there. We walked mile, two miles of that river. We stayed down there for four days just looked in every nook and cranny trying to find him. We concentrated on the river. After the fourth day, finances forced us to return, go back to work. So the Engelberts finally decided to drive to Gearing on Monday morning. And Monday was the day where it felt like the search effort really kind of picked up. 2,400 acres were covered during the initial search, and the Engelberts drove around the Gearing Scotts Bluff area for hours, searching for any sign of chance but they found nothing. But the searches weren't being organized around these areas for no reason. There's actually video surveillance footage recorded of Chance at 7.51 p.m. walking northbound at the intersection of Martha Road and 10th Street that evening. And this footage shows Chance as he comes up to a stop, looks down at his phone, makes a sharp 90 degree left turn, almost as if he's following directions. And his movements go with the direction that he told Matt he was going northwest towards Torrington. Seeing those videos was an eye opener to us. Um, the first thing Miles said is, he's not mad in this. He might be upset, but he's definitely not mad. And, um, and, and I said, and he's not drunk. They all wanted us to think that he was like falling down drunk, stupid. And maybe he was at the golf course when the fight started. Um, but by the time he was on Martha Street and 10th Street at 7.50, I don't feel he was drunk. He looked like a normal kid walking down the street and he had a plan and he knew where he was going. And I know there's been a lot of talk when he stops and looks at his phone and kind of pivots. And I really think he was busy on his phone I think he was texting with Bailey, honestly, and he just kind of looked up to realize, oh, I wanted to go this way. I don't think there's any other things to it. Um, I honestly don't believe he had a map out. Um, I know a lot of people think that he's probably reading a map to know how to get where we wanted to go. And although we're not very familiar with Scott's Bluff, and he'd only been there, you know, 10, 15 times, we rodeoed a lot in Torrington. We traveled that area a lot, and he knew how to get to Torrington that wouldn't have been an issue there he wouldn't have been looking for a shortcut i just 
feel that that showed, shouldn't have been any problems with Chance getting somewhere Saturday night. I think it's a great proof. For those that know Chance and watch the video, we all have said the same thing. Martha Road is in a small town called Terrytown, which is about two miles from Gearing. So that means that he had walked a distance of about 30 minutes or so since he had left the driveway. So that surveillance footage actually captures Chance shortly after he had spoken to Matt. And it's right around the time that his family is, you know, sending texts to him, calling him, trying to get a hold of him. And Bailey also said that she was looking for him around this time, but was not successful at actually locating him. And then they actually uncovered more surveillance footage that is from a ring camera. Now, this footage is a lot less clear, but authorities do say that they're certain it's chance, and he's seen walking west on Stable Club Road. One other thing that I've mentioned a few times in this video, but haven't really explained, is the big storm that came in that night. This was a major factor in his disappearance. There was a massive storm that rolled through their town that night. It began sometime around 9 p.m. and lasted approximately 45 minutes, and there was about an inch of rainfall. And the North Platte River, which runs right through Terrytown, rose eight inches. That's quite a bit of rain, and there was also a lot of thunder, lightning, and high-speed winds. And the police were able to get location data from Chance's phone, and that reportedly last pinged off a cell phone tower near a truck stop gas station called the Western Travel Terminal, and that was about 10 p.m. The investigators have noted that this data is rather unspecific, and the ping could span an area of about a few miles long. But what's interesting about the location of that ping is that it's only four-ish miles away from Bailey's grandparents' house, and the time it pinged was around 10 p.m., which would mean that Chance only traveled about three to four miles in the three or so hours that he had been gone. So all of these factors are contributing to this search and what they do know. They know about this storm, they know about the surveillance footage, and then the cell phone tower ping. But when they couldn't find any more information right away, they felt a little hopeless, especially Bailey. She actually supposedly, again, this is alleged, but Bailey, according to Don, said that she felt like Chance was going to be coming home in a body bag. And she says this was only two days after he had first disappeared. And on that Tuesday, Bailey was asking the Gearing police for a death certificate, which is pretty quick. Now, this death certificate has caused a good deal of drama in this case, as you can imagine. Many people, including the investigators, have found this to be a red flag. I mean, Chance was still considered a missing person. This is only a few days into his disappearance. He was never at any point by the police considered to be a homicide victim. So why would she be asking for his death certificate? That's weird. So investigators asked her about this and Bailey said that she was concerned for her future. She had a son to provide for and didn't have a job. So the death certificate would allow her to collect on his life insurance policy, making it possible for her to get by until she was able to get a job. Now, of course, there is still a lot of concern about this, a lot of public speculation, and investigators have said that Bailey and her family have been completely cooperative with them throughout this entire process. Uh, I've spoken with Bailey several times, um, formal interviews, uh, phone calls with follow-up questions, occasionally a text message for a follow-up just based on a tip that comes in. She's always been very cooperative with me, very cordial. 
uh, interviewed her at, at length. Uh, my first interview with her was probably a couple hours long, so she's always been very cooperative with me. Also, of course, we've got to remember, Bailey was very young at the time. She was only 20, and grief, of course, looks different on everyone, so we got to keep that in our minds. But obviously, it's weird. I see why this rubs people the wrong way. So search efforts continued heavily in those first few days. 280 miles of terrain were searched and the Nebraska State Patrol helicopter logged over 100 miles. So early on, the investigators had some different theories of what could have happened here. At first, police did not expect foul play and the storm was really their biggest theory, you could say. They felt like maybe the storm led to a horrible accident and caused Chance's death. Because he was close to several different bodies of water at the time that he was last seen, investigators thought maybe he was swept up in the storm and fell into the water. And if he didn't fall in, it was thought that maybe he became hypothermic, which could also lead him to a dangerous situation. And hypothermia may have also explained this very strange text that he had sent to his Aunt Katie. Although... Becoming hypothermic after being out in a storm for only eight minutes doesn't seem plausible. But investigators did get permission to drain a canal that ran along the road that he was last seen on. Uh, we've gotten compliance from the uh, Gearing Central Canal uh, folks. They've been able to shut the water down for us starting at where it comes from the river. Um, so we have people searching, you know, walking along the canal now. Uh, we also have a drone right now up in the air uh, going from... Five Rocks Road and Stable Club Road, they're going to follow that canal all the way east to where it dumps into the river again. This footage comes from a press conference that was held on Wednesday, July 10th, 2019. And a lot of information was shared with the public during this press conference. They shared important time frames for people to look at in case someone was outside during the storm. You know, that, that storm rolled through shortly after 9, you know, 9, 9, 15, somewhere around there. It was done around 10 o'clock. Um, that's kind of a critical time uh, for us to be looking at if, if anybody saw somebody walking around during that time especially because that would be uh, that would be a time you wouldn't expect to see somebody out walking around but the idea that chance was just swept up into this river does not even feel remotely possible for his family members chance's whole family and his friend matt have been very vocal about how capable Chance was. They said, you know, he's a countryman. He is not going to put himself in a situation that would put him at risk of falling into the water. They just can't see a situation where that would happen. And that whole theory makes no sense to them. They just feel like he's too tough and he's too knowledgeable about the outdoors to fall victim to nature like that, especially in those conditions. Chance was born and raised for that kind of weather. There's just no way it could take him. I've hunted with him for two years beforehand. The guy could cover country. I, I like to call him a mountain goat, man. He could. He left me in the dust anytime we went hunting. He was beyond belief, an outdoorsman. There's just no way the weather took him. Now, even if this theory is true and Chance did end up in the river, they have not been able to find a body. So that's very difficult to wrap your mind around. Of course, though, it is possible for a body to become lost in a river for a long period of time. But again, this does not feel right to his friends and family. And Matt has actually stated that Mother Nature doesn't hide a body like that. This theory makes us all angry, very angry. And I think it's a bunch of BS, honestly. Chance was a ranch kid. He 
rode bucking horses and bulls and played football and did demolition derby. He's stronger and bigger and smarter than that. I'll never believe that is even close to being a theory. I think the only way he ended up in the North Platte River is somebody dumped him there, honestly. But that's my theory. So another theory that has been put forward is a robbery gone wrong. Maybe Chance was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe he was just a victim of bad luck and that he was robbed. Or maybe he trusted the wrong person, got into the wrong vehicle possibly, and something terrible happened to him. But these theories really don't have any evidence. I mean, if this was an accident, you would likely find some trace of that, you know, some clothing, a cell phone. And if someone took him or if he walked away, you would think there would possibly be some activity on his credit cards or maybe some footage of that, maybe an eyewitness, something, but there's no evidence of anything. So the lead investigator in this case actually says that they are treating it like a homicide and they will do so until there is evidence to prove otherwise. And detectives have also said they've gotten help from the FBI. They've also used canines in their search. And they say that they've administered polygraph tests while chasing down leads. And they've gotten some tips, but unfortunately, none of them have led anywhere. And despite the fact that they have followed through on all the tips that have come in, they say that they have found that people are telling similar yet ever-changing stories. So that brings us to go over a few things that are important to mention that have happened along the way during this investigation. So number one, a random phone. There is a story about a mysterious cell phone that was found on Chance and Bailey's front porch. The day after Chance went missing, a friend of his says that he stopped by their place to see maybe if Chance had gone home. And when he got there, he saw a cell phone just sitting on their porch. And he wasn't sure if it was Chance's so he called Matt to tell him what he had found. So Matt tells him that he would go take a look at it on his way into town and to just leave it there. And then he also calls Bailey and lets her know about this phone. He thought, you know, maybe she would know who it belonged to, but she didn't. But what's strange is by the time Matt goes to their house to see this phone, it was gone. He spoke to Bailey again, and she says that she called a neighbor and they went and picked up this phone. And the fact that she had asked a random neighbor to go and pick up the phone has been kind of confusing to a lot of people. This whole phone thing is sketchy, but it's been reported that the phone never even made it to police for evidence. It's never been, you know, identified as Chance's phone, but the circumstances around it are just weird, and there's a lot of stories that it belongs to the town drunk, so... I have a big question mark about the phone. So another thing that has been noted by Matt, so this is coming from Matt. He says that, you know, he started that job that Chance was supposed to start with him that week. And the first week that he's there, he's approached by someone in HR. And according to him, they ask him if there's any reason why Bailey wouldn't want them to hold this spot at this new job for Chance because apparently she had called them and she allegedly asked them to cash a paycheck and asked about his 401k. And allegedly this is when she brought up not holding his job. So when Chance first went missing, his family actually contacted this new job and they were told that the job would be waiting for him when he came back. So Matt says that 
you know, when he heard Bailey didn't want to have the job held for him, he was confused. So you're telling me that his wife went to his employer and told the employer to not hold the job? Along those lines, yes. Okay, and so they, because of that, they went ahead and released that? The HR came straight to me and asked me about it. Okay. And I said no. Well, I contacted Dawn, told her about it. She said, no, hold his job. And I told him also. So this whole thing, again, is very sketchy and confusing. But I do know that both his new employer and his previous employer have both stated that they have a job for Chance when he comes home. So that brings us to the third thing that I wanted to go over here, which is really weird. So there was an arm bone that was discovered by two men hunting along the North Platte River in Minnetary, Nebraska in October of 2020. And at first it was believed that this bone could belong to Chance. But of course, Chance is not the only missing person in that area or surrounding areas. There is a second man who had also gone missing in that area around the same time. And I guess a piece of clothing was found near the bone and it was more similar to what the other man had been wearing and not to what Chance had been wearing. But of course, investigators sent it off for testing to see who it actually belonged to. But the bone was in pretty bad condition. It actually had to be sent to two different labs. And results have come back now, which it took two years to get those results back, which is wild. And turns out this bone does not belong to Chance. So very early on into Chance's disappearance, the Engelberts became aware that Bailey's family had hired lawyers. Dawn said she felt very confused by this because she didn't realize that lawyers would be something they needed, especially so early on in a missing persons case. Of course, lawyering up can look suspicious and can be suspicious, but there is a point to be made that doing so can kind of fast track or encourage the police to work harder um, to find your missing loved one. So it's something that other people have done, but Hiring lawyers has definitely made people in the public feel uneasy and it's understandable because there's plenty of other reasons why you could hire a lawyer. It's also important to add that at no point has Bailey invoked her Fifth Amendment rights. And again, she's been cooperative. She's answered any and all questions from police. They have put out a statement saying that she's been interviewed multiple times at length and very willingly. There have been a lot of rumors and accusations on social media towards all members of the family, but I can only speak to the ones that involve law enforcement as I cannot speak for them. And like I mentioned, her and her family have decided not to do any more public interviews. You know, this could be for many different reasons. They have gotten a lot of, you know, hate online, probably more than hate. You know, that's honestly a light way to put it. They've gotten death threats. So that can be very scary. Obviously, some people feel that it's very strange that they haven't spoken out. And I feel like with the information that's available here, it's really hard to make a judgment call on that. But what's really unfortunate here is to this day, tensions between the Engelbert family and Bailey's family have been extremely high. And you'd hope that something like this would bring families together, but it has really done the opposite, which with so many things going on, and there's a lot that we're not talking about because it just falls into the category of he said, she said, hearsay, you know, rumors and gossip and pointing fingers. With all that going on, it's understandable how tensions could be so high. But the Engelberts have said that they have tried to support Bailey emotionally and financially through all of this. And they say no matter what they've done, it has been met 
with coldness from Bailey and her family. They actually have no communication with Bailey at this point, which is very sad considering there's a child involved. Dawn says that she, you know, really doesn't agree with the way that their family have handled everything. She has a lot of questions for Bailey, but she wanted to remain close in order to stay in her grandson's life. That has not happened though. And it's been two years since she's seen Banks, which is really most unfortunate for him. But in their last communication, it was made clear that Bailey doesn't want anything to do with Dawn and that she blames Dawn for Chance's disappearance. Obviously, there's a lot of drama here. There's a lot of back and forth, and we could sit here and talk about all that all day, but I felt like it was important in this video to just focus on the facts and what we do know about Chance's last day and his last known location, and hopefully we can focus on, you know, finding him or getting answers for all of them. Our biggest thing, we need prayers. We need prayers for strength to continue to fight for chance. We need prayers for answers. We need people to talk. We need them to quit being afraid. I feel somebody seen something, knows something. Whether you call one of the tip lines that we have, call the Gary PD, call the Scotts Bluff Sheriff's Department, call the Scotts Bluff City Police Department. I think we need calls to upper governments and asking for new eyes to come in. There's way too many young missing men that don't get what they deserve to be found. And I think we need some bigger eyes out there finding these, these kids and finding chance. Send an email, call, and beg that somebody helps take on these cases. We need new fresh eyes. I need people to keep sharing Chance's story, keeping his picture out there, his beautiful smiling picture because Chance will not be forgotten. We will not let him be forgotten. So there's currently a $17,000 reward for anyone who has information that could lead them to Chance. Chance was last seen wearing a short sleeve button up Wrangler shirt that had a grayish purple tone to it and dark blue Wrangler jeans, rope style boots, and a black and white trucker hat. He is 5'9", 195 pounds, and has light brown hair. If you have any tips or any information, please consider bringing that forward to the right people. There are actually several lines that you can call and you can remain completely anonymous. And these numbers will all be available in the description box. You can also help the Engelbert family by purchasing any items that they are selling in his honor. And the money will go towards keeping up their billboards and their search efforts. I've decided to donate to their family to keep those billboards up for six months of time. I got you know, the pricing from her and have discussed that with her and have sent them money for that. And I think it's really cool that they're able to use billboards. I know they can be very productive in a lot of cases. I know they haven't had a whole lot of luck with them so far, but you know, I think it's important to keep the faces of the missing up and in the public where they were last seen. Like Don mentioned, you can call or email the Nebraska State Attorney General's office to ask that they take over the investigation. And I want to note that Don has been asked to stop contacting the Attorney General's office. So if you would like to contact them yourself, it always is extremely helpful in these cases. So I will have information of how to do that below as always. So I wish I had more information for you guys. I really do. That is really all the important information to go over. It's been three years now 
that chance has been gone and all of them have so much pain. It would be amazing to finally see either justice for Chance or just that closure for their family, knowing what happened. He deserved way better than what he got. He should have got to grow old and been a dad and a grandpa and took care of his family. He missed out on a lot and it's not fair. That is going to be it for me today, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode. And make sure you follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really does help me out. If you want to watch the video version of this show, you can find it on my YouTube channel, which will be linked, or you can just search Kendall Ray. I will be back with another episode soon, but until then, stay safe out there. 